Part 3. Resonance of the Inferno with Earlier Hero Stories Let me now turn to the earlier hero myths that influenced Dante's work, focusing especially on the Odyssey and Aeneid, to see what these works tell us about the hero's healing journey. These hero stories particularly resonate with Dante and show some of the many ways to tell the story of the hero's quest. The Aeneid is an homage to the Odyssey, as La Commedia is an homage to the Aeneid. Both stories feature a journey to the underworld in their centers, and each hero has a Sibyl guide and in the underworld each hero seeks to come to terms with their past and gain vision of their path to the future. As it is for Dante in the Commedia, rebirth and enlightenment occur for both Odysseus and Aeneas in the underworld, in the most desperate place of all. Healing occurs through their contact with the hidden Chthonic world, and both healings involve a seer, Sibyl, oracle helper, who serves as a guide to the navel of the world, the place of their rebirth. For both Odysseus and Aeneas, like Dante, the ordinary world is a broken world from which they would prefer to hide and escape. Both Odysseus and Aeneas seek to escape their broken world, Odysseus with the divine Calypso, and Aeneas with his beloved Dido, but both find themselves unable to forget their past and faded future. Like the Athenians in the time of Theseus, who didn't want to admit that it was wrong for their children to be sacrificed to the Minotaur, none of our heroes want to face the horror embedded in the ordinary world but they are compelled to do so. All three of these hero myths involve reluctant heroes who are forced to confront the pain in their ordinary world. Dante is accused of graft and, and exiled from his beloved world of Florence forever. Odysseus, the wounded warrior, must confront and recover from the horrors of war and his guilt over abandoning his family and losing all of his crew one by one. Aeneas's ordinary world is burnt to the ground and destroyed forever. So we can rightly wonder on this day of 9-11 as we ponder the place where the Twin Towers once stood. How can such wastelands provide grounds for healing and lead to rebirth. Dante clearly has more regard for pious Aeneas, led by the goddess of love Venus, who serves as his mentor, than he has for Odysseus, whom he punishes as a smooth-tongued false counselor or rhetorician in his realm of fraud in the Inferno. Yet, even though Virgil's Aeneid is more directly related to Dante's story, please give me leave to reverse courses and turn to the older story of Odysseus first, as it will help us better interpret the Aeneid. Odysseus's homecoming story, 
begins not with Odysseus. We are only told that he is stranded on Calypso's isle, despondent, unfit, and without hope of ever returning home again. The Odyssey begins with Athena's plan to save him and the call to adventure of his son Telemachus. Athena recognizes Odysseus's critical need for his family to help him achieve his homecoming, and it is Pallas Athena, the goddess of wisdom, who serves as Odysseus's mentor. For the first four books of the Odyssey, Odysseus himself is strangely absent. Instead, we are occupied with Athena, disguising herself as Odysseus's wise old friend, mentor, and the early books primarily deal with her serving as guide and mentor to his son Telemachus, not to Odysseus himself. Meanwhile, Odysseus's ordinary world is living with the immortal Calypso in indolence and pleasure, and yet we learn that he spends most of his days in mourning, homesickness, and grief. His world on a fantasy island with Calypso is a perfect world, but it is a world he cannot accept. Finally, in Book 5, Odysseus leaves the island of Calypso, where he has lived eight years in the company of the immortal goddess. After eighteen days at sea on his raft, he is finally within sight of the Phaeacian land, near his own homeland of Ithaca. But Poseidon conjures a storm that completely destroys his raft. The storm strips him of his clothes, and for two days and nights he is cast about the sea, holding on to the single beam remaining from his raft. On the dawn of the third day, the sea calms, and he swims for the shore. With the help of the gods, he avoids crashing breakers on the rocky coast of the island of Scaria, and he finds a river inlet where he can make his way ashore. He drags himself between twin bushes of olive from one stem, one wild and one cultivated, where he falls into an exhausted sleep. As Catherine Davis notes, the twin olive bush has two meanings. First, it serves as a sign of Athena, evoking the myth that she brought the cultivated olive to Greece, but that it had to be grafted onto wild stock to thrive. Second, the olive prefigures Odysseus' homecoming for both him and us, and allows him the opportunity to remake his olive tree bed as part of his work of recovery. The next day, the naked Odysseus is discovered by the king's daughter, Nausicaa, who has gone to the river with, his, with her handmaids to wash clothes. There on the shore, Odysseus appears reborn like a naked babe, and he is clothed and fed and brought back to the Phaeacian king and queen. Thus, within the first story of the Odyssey, Odysseus experiences his rebirth on the shores of the land of the Phaeacians, 
but closer reading suggests that his death and rebirth begin, are centered on, and derive from his experience in the underworld. Odysseus's journey to the underworld is told as a story within a story. In his Homeric telling of his own story to the Phaeacian people, he tells the story of his death soon after his rebirth on the beach, after he has barely survived another near-death experience, his near-drowning on his desperate attempt to return home. With the Phaeacians, he becomes a storyteller, and his healing, recovery, growth in the Greek phusis progresses rapidly. The middle half of the Odyssey consists not of an impartial story of Odysseus's return, but rather of Odysseus's telling of his own story. Odysseus must tell his story to heal. This is, this is reminiscent of the primary healing modality employed by the Wounded Warriors Project for American soldiers with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, returning from the Middle East. For those who can heal, sharing their story is a key part of healing for those returning home from the horrors of war. Odysseus is able to return to the ordinary world by helping to change it, by sharing his accumulated wisdom, by telling his story. The reader has to wonder, along with the king and queen, whether or not he is a reliable historian, or whether he is simply pitching the story for his own gain. Regardless, there can be no doubt that it is in telling his story that Odysseus begins to regain his health. Within this story, within the story of the Odyssey, in the very center and crux of the poem, his death and the beginning of his rebirth is revealed. His journey to the underworld occurs some ten years after Odysseus has left home, when he is most desperate to return. The witch healer, or goddess Pharmakeia in the Greek, Kirke, finally gives him leave to leave her magical island but informs him that he first must perform one more task. Here is their conversation, as related by Odysseus, when he begs to leave and receives the darkest news imaginable. Son of Laertes and the gods of old, Odysseus master mariner and soldier, you shall not stay longer in my house against your will, but home... You may not go, unless you take a strange way round, and come to the cold bones of death and pale Persephone. You shall hear prophecy from the rapt shade of blind Tiresias of Thebes, forever charged with reason, even among the dead. At this... I felt a great weight like a stone within me, and moaning pressed my length against the bed with no desire to see the daylight more. 
But when I had wept and tossed and had my fill of despair, at last I answered her, Kirke, who pilots me on this journey? No man has ever sailed to the land of death. Odyssey Book 10 Her answer is that the spirit of Tiresias will be his guide. And thus, following Kirke's instructions, he is met by Tiresias in Hades, who gives him a dark prophecy regarding his most difficult return. Odysseus is told that, quote, anguish lies ahead, and that he can only hope for a rapid return through, quote, denial of yourself, restraint of shipmates, end quotes. And of course, in this latter goal, we know that Odysseus fails, and as prophesied, all his shipmates are then lost. Then, in the depths of Hades, Odysseus sees his mother, who has died in his absence. She asks him painful questions about his absence and all that he, he has left behind. And then, finally, she tells him the cause of her own death while he was gone. So I too pined away. So doom befell me. Not that illness overtook me, no true illness, wasting the body to undo the spirit. Only my loneliness for you, Odysseus, for your kind heart and counsel, gentle Odysseus, took my life away. This is when he seeks to embrace her three times and is unable his mother's shadow sifting through his hands. Not only is he responsible for her death, she evokes a past that he can never recover. And at this point, he doubts that he can ever recover his past kindness and gentleness that only his mother seems to remember. This recognition of the depth of his loss is both his point of greatest pain and the true beginning of his rebirth and his process of healing. Let me now turn briefly to Aeneas. As we discussed, Aeneas's mentor is Venus, the goddess of love, and he also has a very similar excursion into the underworld in the very center of the Aeneid. Similarly, this journey to the underworld serves as perhaps the most moving part of his story. Like Odysseus, he is similarly guided by a seer, the Cumaean Sibyl. In Hades, Aeneas also seeks to embrace his ancestor three times, but in this case it is his father, Anchises, that he seeks to embrace. As Jacob Klein notes, the story runs both reverse and inverse. Father, not mother, guided by love, not wisdom. Yet still, it, it, it is at heart a hero's quest and follows the basic pattern we have previously described. Here Virgil describes their emotional meeting. And have you come at last? 
and has the pious love that your father waited for defeated the difficulty of the journey? Son, can I look at your face, hear, and return familiar accents? Then he, My father, it was your sad image, so often come, that urged me to these thresholds. My ships are moored on the Tyrrhenian. O oh, father, let me hold your right hand fast. Do not withdraw from my embrace. His face was wet with weeping as he spoke. Three times he tried to throw his arms around Anchises' neck, and three times the shade escaped from that vain clasp, like light winds, or most like swift dreams. The Aeneid, Book 6, 908-927 Aeneas, similarly, has to let go of his past, and toward that end his father shows him not the heroes of the past in Hades, but rather his hero-warrior descendants of the future who will found the city of Rome. With this bright but difficult future in mind, Aeneas leaves Hades with a new hope for a path to a better future. And many of you will remember, after seeing this vision of the future, Aeneas and the Sibyl pass through the polished ivory gate of sleep, which Virgil calls the way spirits send false dreams, the same gate of dreams of glimmering illusions and fantasies in Odyssey, Book 19, from which Penelope suspected her dream of Odysseus's return most likely came. Virgil leaves all to wonder whether Aeneas's hope for a great and just Rome is a false hope that will never come to pass. As Jacob Klein, the late Annapolis tutor and dean, so elegantly has shown in his essay, The Myth of Virgil's Aeneid, Virgil's story of Aeneas is a retelling of the Odyssey, written as the reverse and inverse of Homer's story of Odysseus. The Aeneid mirrors the Iliad and the Odyssey together, told in reverse. Like the Odyssey, the Aeneid is a homecoming, recovery story, but it ends with the wrath of Aeneas, just as the Iliad begins with the wrath of Achilles. As Jacob Klein points out, the Aeneid ends with a Trojan War raging in reverse order, and, quote, this time it will end with the victory of Aeneas, the new Hector, over Turnus, the new Achilles. And after this victory, there will be a final reconciliation between the Trojans and Latins and all the warring gods that represent them. Thus the Aeneid ends with the dawn of a new golden age in which Rome is born and through war brings the dream of a new golden age of peace. Aeneas's story is a story of the recovery of Aeneas and the restoration of his world of a better and just world of Troy reborn as Rome.